1: Hey, what's up, guys? I am here with Mike Matei. What's up, man?
0: How you doing? Good to see you. So it's not Matai, right? <laughs> um, that, that's funny. I, I, I one time sent a letter to David Letterman. which I, got... I swear this is exactly what I wanted to open
1: with because I heard this story and I didn't know if it was just a rumor or not.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, there's the video of it on the website because I, um, I used to watch David Letterman like every night. I'm a huge fan of that and uh, I, I would tape it um, a lot of times. Um, and then watch it the next day because I had it at school in the morning. So I would set my VCR, and then it would tape. So I taped it every night, and then I would like watch it. So I knew that I had sent in my letter. So one day I'm watching it and watching my tape of it, which is why I have it on tape or why I had it on tape all those years because when I saw it, I kept the tape, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, anyhow, uh, yeah, he used to have on um, – I don't know if you watch Dave Letterman at all, but he used to have on uh, Larry Bud Melman, mm-hmm. who was – you know this older guy that they used to you know do skits with and stuff like that and uh one day i asked uh i sent in a letter and i said why do all the tv talk shows like johnny carson and whatever have the city skylines in the back like why not something else mm-hmm. and he's like oh you know mike i don't uh or he, actually and he's like this letter's from uh, mike matai or whatever and and then he read the letter that's where that's from but then what was funny about it was uh He's like, I don't know what the reason, but if you zoom in right there and the camera zooms in on on the fake background building and it goes into the window and then it, and then it like does a transition into like the inside of the building. And it's Larry Bud Melman uh, with uh, this like hot, like half naked girl. <laughs> and and uh, he, holds, <laughs> he just holds up a sign that says, eat your heart out, Letterman. And then he like <laughs> put, pulls the shades down. So it was funny.
1: That's awesome. What a neat piece of history. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's, um, I, the closest yeah. I ever came was I was in a Megadeth video once. You were, a- okay. um, yeah. They uh, they were filming the uh, the Gears of War song, and I just happened to be um, on this one website. And they said, you know, if you want to be in the video, email. And apparently, it sold out in like a minute. I just happened to click at the exact right second. And when the guy with the video camera comes around. You know, I was dead sober, I was quiet, I looked like this, I don't really look like a metalhead, even though I'm a huge metalhead. And the uh, the guy with the camera is like, alright guys, just remember, you know, the, the more enthusiastic people are the ones that are more likely to be on camera. I was like, you could just stay right here, dude. He's, and he looks at me, he's like, like just trust me, you're going to want to hang around about here. <laughs> and sure as shit, the only crowd shot of the video was me just right in the camera, like... Ah.
0: I I have to see that video. You have to send it to me after this.
1: It's like a two-second shot, but I was so (laughs) proud because I was the only crowd shot. I'm like, that's right, piece of history. (laughs) That's
0: that's great.
1: So, um, in the extremely unlikely event that somebody might not be familiar with your work, um, where, like, I guess let's just start at the beginning. Were you just always a kid that really loved video games, or did somebody get you into it? Or
0: okay, so my first exposures to video games. Well, I had an uncle, and I remember him having the Intellivision. I have an older sister, and they would play the Intellivision. I think that was the first video game thing I ever saw in my life, was them playing the Intellivision. I was like one or two, and I have this vague memory of them playing it. But I didn't play it at that point, so that was like the very, very beginning. Um, But then when I was probably... uh, Or my sister had the Atari 2600, and uh, we would play the Atari 2600, and... Uh, so we had that growing up. So when I was two, three, four years old, I did a lot of you know playing the Atari games. We didn't have like a ton of them. I, I remember, but uh, yeah, we played a lot of the ones we had. I remember we had Jungle Hunt, and we had um, uh, like Frogger, and you know the standard ones. I think we had ET, and I, uh, we had Pac Man, and and I didn't know how to play ET as a kid. Uh, so I would uh, you know I'd play the other games, but and then other than that. Uh, my sister used to do uh, roller skating, and I would go to the roller skating rink with her. And with the roller skating rink on the side, I didn't really do the roller skating. I was too young, I was like three years old. They put me out there for two seconds, and then that would be it. I would be in the. Um, they had an arcade on the side of the roller rink, and that you know, I'm talking 1984 probably. Jeez. And
1: 1983,
0: 1984, something like that. So I'm like, I'm a little kid. My parents had me. I'm off. Messing around as a little, little kid with, um, you know, I remember playing uh, Pac-Land, Space Invaders, um, uh, regular Pac-Man, you know, all the Pac-Man games and uh, asteroids and and all that kind of stuff that they had there. It was just like a mini arcade, but they they probably were 15 machines or something. But at the time, you remember, that was the era. So those were the machines that they had. Um, so, yeah, so that was probably my first exposure to, like, classic games, which I loved. I loved going in there. And now, I, Do
1: you remember that feeling being a kid and then you just walk in and you're surrounded by these huge machines and the lights and the sounds and everything? Yes. It's, like, it was so amazingly overwhelming. Like, what the fuck is this? I want more of it.
0: Yeah, that, w- that was the f- first thing that m- made me, like, oh, this is awesome. What is this? And what I specifically really remember is really Pac-Man because they had... Uh, Pac-Man had that Disney sort of artwork to it where Pac-Man had like the pie eye and it looked like 1930s animation like on the side of the cabinet and all that. and I remember seeing all that and I, I really loved cartoons as a kid. Mm-hmm. So seeing like going into a place and having these machines that you could play a game that had like this Pac-Man it was like amazing. And um, I always liked the, in the arcades it was uh, it was really dark. Uh, it was like pitch black in the arcades pretty much. And then they'd have the, the bright lights and everything. And just the whole experience of it w- was awesome. And there was quite a few arcades, um, by me. There was, there was one in the mall that I went to a lot. There was one on the, on the, uh, guess I grew up in New Jersey, this, the seaside heights boardwalk. Uh, there used to be a really good one, but I got wrecked in the, in the recent storm in the last few years, but I used to go to that a lot. Um, there were there was a lot you know of arcades back then and uh, I, I and then I I went through the whole period of you know you had your Pac Man and your Space Invaders and all that stuff and then you started to have like Double Dragon and those type of games and then eventually it moved into you know Mortal Kombat and Street Fight and and all that so I went through the whole you know thing I I, I lived through it and uh, it was uh, it was awesome but I really. And most nostalgic for the early 80s machines like the you know space invaders pac-man all that stuff because that's the most sort of forgotten now because it, w- it was longer ago because i think a lot of people remember that are our age probably remember going into the arcades and playing street fighter 2 and stuff mm-hmm. like that. but not as many people remember going into the arcade and playing um, Frogger and stuff because I was older and those machines a lot of times were gone by then so I'm fortunate enough that I got to experience a lot of that and it was really um, like I I love the 90s machines but the 80s machines were like oh my god you go into an arcade and you play like Donkey Kong and it was it was I love that and I still love it to this day I collect arcade stuff and I, it's one of my passions yeah.
1: yeah with technology changing as fast as it does uh, being able to get in towards the beginning means you know make such a difference. I was just talking to a phone dork, I'm not sure if you know who he is, but he um he got started about the same time as you and he loves some of these old Atari games and you know even as a kid I, my first entry to all this was um I was like, 6 or 7 and it was NES and then arcades like immediately after. So even then going back to some of the early Atari stuff I was like, uh, you know, it's a little clunky, maybe I can go and uh, I was it just being able to experience it when it was new and fresh and cutting edge, and you don't care that it's bad graphics because you don't know. <laughs> it's like people that play Call of Duty and then go try to play a NES game, you know what I mean? So it's uh, it's cool that you got it in at the beginning where you could just experience it when it was still thrilling, you know?
0: True, and um, I've never – this might seem weird, but I've never felt that it wasn't thrilling because I can to this day still put on – some Atari game, as long as it's like a, a decent Atari game, I can put on uh, dragonfire dragon fire or something like that. And it's, it's there. A lot of them are really good games. Um, and regardless of, regardless of whether you have a game that came out this week, or you have a game that came out in 1979, as long as the game is really good, that's where the thrill comes from the graphics and the music and all that additional stuff enhances the experience, but you can have just as much fun. You know, I remember back when we did the AVGN Pong consoles video, Mm -hmm. one of the most fun times I ever had playing video games was, uh, James had the, uh, Fairchild channel F system. Yep. And there was a game on that, which I think it was, um, sort of like a Pong tennis type of thing where there's just the ball going back and forth, but the way the controllers are on that system um, it was a very unique controller type and I remember playing that with him and it was one of the most fun times I ever had in my life playing video games and it was a ball going on screen and we were laughing and joking and playing this game and all oh, this is a ball online line on the screen and it's really the person you're playing with and, um, and, and, if, and if it's a good game um, that you know and I'm not you know a lot of people feel that I'm you know just into the retro games and stuff I'm not as as long as, you know, the game is good, there are games that are just as good today as there were then, and there was a lot of crappy games then, you know, and there was a lot of good games then. There's bad and good games in, in every era, so...
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and that's, you know the name of my channel is Retro RGB same as my website and everybody assumes the same about me but the truth is the reason I really got so far back into this and while of course the nostalgia is always a fun feeling mm-hmm. it's just cuz my favorite games are side scrolling action games and for a long time that was the uncool game to make so people weren't making them right. so you know now you have things like Axiom Verge which is just phenomenal Shovel Knight you know all that stuff the new Sonic game and
0: it's made a comeback yeah
1: yeah but for a while like, if you said all right well I want to play game i've never played before and i really want to play this style your only choice was to go back so
0: yeah that's true so it's nice that that that's all made a comeback as of uh recently um yeah
1: so you got a really early start as a young kid with all this stuff um do you remember the first console that was yours or was it always just like you know your family shared the console
0: Okay, well, the first console that would have been mine would have been the NES, because uh, the Atari 2600 was my sister's. I specifically remember I was like two or three years old when I was playing playing that, and I r- specifically remember playing, I want to say it was Phoenix for Atari 2600, and I'm playing that, and I don't know what happened, but the I, the controller wasn't working very well, or I thought it wasn't working very well as a, as a two- or three-year-old. And I got the bright idea in my head of um, going and grabbing my dad's screwdriver and unscrewing the bottom of the Atari controller and trying to fix it as a three-year-old and having no idea what to do. And then the controller was in a million pieces, and my sister came back, and she was yelling and screaming at me that I broke the Atari. And then for a while, we only had one controller because I, I broke the other one. Or I disassembled it because I was trying to fix it, and I didn't know what I was doing. Um but uh, I'm sorry. What was the question? I just went off
1: on a like the fir- No, that was a funny story. Though no, the the first console that's actually yours. Oh, you know, my family got the NES for the family, but do you remember like the one that you lusted over? The one that you know was was your thing? Was yeah. the NES?
0: Yeah, it was it was the NES. Um, and that's funny that some people say NES cuz I never knew growing up then I never knew anybody that ever said NES it was always NES but it's it that's funny. Um I wonder if that's a regional thing. Maybe uh, we just called it Nintendo for years. Yeah. Well we yeah.
1: When the Super Nintendo and N64 it was really only recently that I started referring to it as that.
0: That, that is true actually. Once it once Super Nintendo came out and beyond that like once like N64, then everybody's referring to it as the NES, but back then it was Nintendo, mm-hmm. because that's what that was the big console. Uh, anyhow, uh, yeah, I got the NES, um, when did I get the NES? Probably 1986, I think I got the NES, and uh, my first games were uh, Ghostbusters, <laughs> obviously Mario, because it came with Mario it kind of came with the system, and... I think Jaws, and I think that was it. I think those were my, my first, and then s- shortly after that, I got more. Um, and well, two out of the four were wins. <laughs> well, yeah, your Mario and all, all that. And I, I think I had Hogan's Alley, too, actually, um, which which I liked. And I really liked the, uh, the shooting the cans in that. Oh, yeah, light gun games were just the
1: greatest way to kill 20 minutes here and there, you know?
0: Yeah, but... Uh, so then not long after I, I was on the school bus and the kid that lived across the street from me, um, had already, he got the legend of Zelda and he had the map and he was on the bus and he, we were talking about, he had the map on the bus and all, all the kids are looking at the map. Ooh, this kid's got the map and we're all, all looking at the map, and he's talking about the game and I look at the map and i was like, wow, that really cool map or whatever. And then he's talking about. Um, the Lost Woods and getting through the Lost Woods and all that stuff and I'm like this sounds really cool so uh, I went to Toys R Us with my mom we go to Toys R Us and it had the the long aisle of all the, um, you know, they just had the, the, what I forget what they're called, but the, the cards on the wall that mm-hmm. showed they don't have, they didn't have the actual boxes of the games. It was just a picture mm-hmm. of the games. And underneath there was a little yellow tag with the, with the price ticker or something like that. And then you take the tag out and you walk up to the front, um, uh, where they had the 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 lady in the room that had all the games, uh, which was in a close uh, closed off thing, and you hand her the ticket, and she gives you the game, and then you take the game and you bring it to the register. That's how, that's how you would buy the games then. And um, but I do remember when the lady gave me the game, I looked at it and it was gold. It was gold, and no other, none of the other games I had ever had were gold. Like the Atari carts were black, mm-hmm. and. Um, or some of them had that sort of like pointed end to it and stuff like that. And then right. the the other Nintendo games were all gray. This was the only game – this game was gold. And I'm looking at it I'm like, wow, this is really interesting like packaging. This thing looks awesome. It It seemed as a kid like you were holding a gold bar. It did. You and, knew which,
1: even before you plugged it in there was something special about this one.
0: Right, so so you're like, okay, this is really cool. The packaging is awesome, and I remember looking at the like the lion thing on there and being like, wow, this is like super cool. Like I, because I always loved like the mythology yeah. and all that stuff, even even as a little kid. And um, so anyhow, so I bring it home and then I start playing the game, and the game was to to this day, it's my favorite game ever made. Um, and what a great thing that they made the game. Gold, and there was a, there was the only one, well, it was one of the few on NES that were gold, and it deserved to be gold, and I guess they knew that. They must have known, like, this is, the game is really good, let's make it something special with the packaging, you know? They must have had that idea in their head, like, we they knew it was going to be a success, I guess. Did you ever see the Famicom Disk System packaging for it? I did, I have seen it, I, I actually own it, and um they, uh, yeah, the, I... I It wasn't until recently that I got more and more into the Famicom, the original (laughs) Nintendo stuff, um, because, you know, obviously grew up with with the North American stuff. And oh, my God, the artwork for the Famicom stuff is so awesome. I bet I've been collecting Famicom boxes and I almost feel like part of me feels like I love the stuff we grew up with. But it's kind of like those are the original releases, like the Japanese ones. Like, I, and sometimes you look at the art and it's like better. And so, and I mean, music I feel like... on
1: a lot of those is way better too because <clears throat> of the Famicom sound chips. So,
0: <clears throat> yeah. So I, I've been really getting into that. I, lo- I love Famicom stuff.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you ever gone through and played some of the... So I guess the fan hacks are they take the Japanese version and then dub it with, you know, the the U.S. translations, but then they fix the translations. So you actually... A lot of the things make a little more sense.
0: Um, I'm trying to... What's an example of what you mean exactly?
1: Well, Zelda is one of them, but that's more of the minor changes, um, you know,
0: like... Uh, oh, you're saying, like, when, when you play Zelda... Um, Things like uh, you blow into the controller and you can't do that in our version, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, that and uh, some of the original versions were just a little bit different. So I think there was a big thing about um, no religion at all, no religious references in, uh, in the U.S. and Europe. So they talk about they word things slightly different in the Japanese version, and it's not that it would have made a difference or anything. It's just uh, you know they were I guess they were being extra cautious. But I love finding some of the games that I loved as a kid, and then you know obviously it's all in Japanese, but people will do the read translations so right. somebody go back and because a lot of times they just kind of haphazardly went through it because they weren't gonna they didn't really know which games were gonna you know make a lot of money and which we were just gonna get re released and forgotten about. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think we've done a lot of stuff like that with with, with the with the trans with the translations, and then they then they bring it over, and it was always funny with, when they would do a bad translation, you know, classically was uh, the, you know, in Double Dragon, the, the Bimmy and Jimmy. Bimmy
1: and Jimmy, and the Castlevania stuff that made absolutely no sense in the US version.
0: Sure, uh, yeah, like Simon's Quest and, you know, all the, all the translation stuff. Um, there was one, uh, God, I can't remember the title of it off my head, but it was, um, the game says fucking... Uh, it's a Famicom game. James and I did a video of it. I can't remember the. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it, it, uh, it's like J- and Cun or something like that is the name of it, and it's like an army game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but in over there, it does. You know, it doesn't mean what it means here. So it's just it's just funny that you know all all the translation stuff, and I, that that was always um one of the points that made uh that made. Angry Video Game Nerd, uh, funny. That was uh, to this day. It, it's uh, bad. The bad translation stuff is always a good place to go to for for some of the comedy.
1: Yeah, the end of Ghostbusters cracked me up. <laughs> that one was great. Congratulations. Congratulations.
0: Yeah. yeah. All, all, all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, it, yeah. It's funny.
1: So when you were a kid, did you get Game Boy, Game Gear, all those two?
0: Okay, so uh, as a kid, I had uh, it was Christmas time and I got the Game Boy for Christmas and um, I had already heard about the, I've told the story before, but I had already heard about and I think played the Game Gear, I think a friend of mine had it, because I didn't, because it wasn't until later, I think the Game Boy came out first and then like Mm -hmm. sometime later the Game Gear came out, but I got the Game Boy at whatever point the Game Gear was out so that's when I got the Game Boy and then I was like, oh, I really wanted the Game Gear, So, so uh, we went to the store and returned the, uh, Game Boy and then they used the credit or whatever. And then I got the game gear, which is what I wanted. Um, and it's not that I didn't like the Game Boy. It's just that I thought the game gear was cooler cause it was in color and it was backlit and everything. And I, I had already tried the, the Game Boy and, and I, it was fine, but it was like, I, I really wanted the game gear cause I thought it was cool. And, um, and I got I played the uh, D- the Donald Duck game on it and because I, I was always, I always loved Donald Duck and I think that's one of the reasons I wanted it, um, so yeah I played that and I really I really loved the Game Gear. I didn't have a Sega Genesis until much later in my life. Um, I, the, my friend across the street I remember had the, uh, uh, and we we're t- talking about my first exposures actually to video games and everything. Before I had played the NES, I played. The Sega Master System, because my next-door neighbor had a Sega Master System, I used to go over there and play it. And then at some point for my birthday or something, I got the NES. I don't exactly remember. And I got the NES, and then I started playing the NES and everything. But uh, yeah, as far as the Game Boy, uh, it's been in recent years that I've really um, developed a love for the Game Boy and I've started to go to go back, and I I kind of like now that I didn't play a ton of Game Boy as a kid. Um, I played some of the games here and there. I d- I did borrow my friend's Game Boy as a kid, and I beat Link's Link's Awakening as a kid because he had the game and he let me borrow it for a, a, a week or something. And I and I played beat the game as a kid. Great so game I did have, too. Yeah, and no, oh my god, it was a great game, and that was I I thank my friend for letting me borrow it and do that as a kid, but because uh, I didn't have it. But in a way. I'm happy that I didn't play all those games cuz now I'm going back and I'm playing a lot of those Game Boy games that I didn't get a chance to
1: and experiencing them for the first time. And
0: Experiencing them for the first time and I'm like, "Oh my god, wow, this what a great system the Game Boy is." um that I you know. Um Yeah,
1: I love when that happens. I just replayed um so I hadn't played uh, Links Awakening since it came out way back when. And then I just replayed DX with a few of the fan enhancements to it. So yeah. no, the game is the same. Just, you know, they fixed a couple of things. And it was just, I loved it. It was just like in every awesome Zelda game you could imagine. I, it was almost like playing it for the first time because I didn't remember anything about it.
0: Have you played Breath of the Wild? I have. So, what is it about the top down classic? Like Link's Awakening style Zelda games, the Link to the Past, the original, those style Zeldas, versus Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Breath of the Wild, all all the newer 3D Zeldas. There's a different feeling to the games, and it's not just that they're top-down. There's something about it, and I haven't quite figured it out yet, but uh, I've always felt that I guess because – I guess going back because I had played the, 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 the original Zelda first and then I played Link to the Past and that's kind of how the Zelda games were for a long time, mm-hmm. that I guess I feel like that's what actual real Zelda is. And then eventually Ocarina of Time came out. And so I've always had a hard time feeling like the 3D Zeldas are truly Zelda games mm-hmm. because um, because they're total they're very different gameplay wise and.
1: Do you, do you see where I'm going with that? You, 100% and uh, not only do I agree, um, when I was playing Breath of the Wild, I was at the desert boss. I don't want to give spoilers away. I mean it's a few months old but um, – yeah. and towards the end, it was getting really frustrating. So I left I, – I did it out of order. I know there's not a real order but not the suggested order. I you know, finished off another boss. I came back and – it It's the two things that really get me with the newer games, and the simplicity of the old games, right? So Super Nintendo, four buttons, two triggers, mm-hmm. so easy to get used to that. And there's a couple of times I need to like run and aim, and I end up ducking at the same time, because I'm yeah. excited and I'm pressing down, and that drives me insane, and there's no way to disable it. And the other thing is the the feeling of that of those other games is, you know, I mean to say it's top-down is true, but you're looking down at your character, and you're planning out the attack, and you're seeing where it's going, and like, mm-hmm. and even in the crazy ones, like Link to the Past, that boss, that like, snake thing that always just turns in the circles, like, the dorm. yeah, that was really challenging, but even though it was top-down, and you get to see the whole thing, I mean, it's it was still really hard, you have to figure out the pattern, and you know, when you're running around, if it was real life or VR, if you could hear somebody behind you or you could turn your head around but you're playing the game, you're trying to get all these controls, you're trying to spin around, you're getting attacked from behind, <laughs> yeah. it's a completely different feel, and I'm not trying to say that one's better than the other I just, uh, that's I mean, that top-down it, it, the whole experience feels completely yeah, different.
0: And, and I agree, it, it, one isn't better than, than the other, and um But it is a different experience, and I think that because it's a different gameplay-style experience is probably why I feel like it's not true Zelda, because it's a different style of gameplay, and I'm used to the classic style. So... Uh, but that being said, I, a kid nowadays might go back and love a link to the past, but
1: say this isn't true Zelda, true Zelda's Breath of the Wild, what I grew up with.
0: So. Right, and, and that's probably just due to it's probably just all due to my age, um, mm-hmm. and what and what I what I'm used to. But um, I, I do love Breath of the Wild though, and um, in its own way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I love like you know you're you're playing that game and you're going around and you're. I love like climbing through the mountains in that game and you're collecting like pieces of like limestone and stuff like that and you're you're cooking food and um, the game is absolutely beautiful. Uh, yeah, it has a lot of problems. I'm not gonna get into like the little things that uh, that annoy me about it but um it really um, it's like they didn't quite get it. Just right, but they're almost, it's like they're almost there. I feel like if they could take Breath of the Wild and just make it a little bit more like it, like classic Zelda and fix a couple things, it'd yeah, yeah. really have something. I want to see like Breath of the Wild 2.0 <laughs> or something. Breath of the Wild 2, you know, I can't wait to see the next one, and I hope that they can make it a little closer to classic zelda and then you'd really 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 have something but it is but it is a great uh game and i played a lot of it and i haven't played it in a little while Mm -hmm. but i but i've been having i've been yearning now it's been a while since i played it now i kind of want to play it again
1: yeah i'm still stuck with that boss so i figure I, i you know step aside for a while i'll go hit up a bunch of the shrines and get a you know get a million hearts Which, you know, uh, that's not a complaint of that game, because there's a ton of games throughout history where if you can't beat the boss, you have to just wander around the world getting hearts again and stuff. So, yeah. The the one thing that really I I thought was very neat about it, though, because in my opinion, it's the best of all the 3D Zeldas, um, but there are a lot of times when we'd play a game, like I remember in Mario 64 looking up at the top of a, a building or something and just thinking like, geez, I wonder what's up there. I wonder if you can go up there. I wonder if they hit anything up there. And then, you know, you either couldn't get to it or there's nothing there. And in Zelda, you can get pretty much everywhere. Yeah. And even if there's nothing there waiting for you, maybe it'll allow you to, to swing down to a different level that you hadn't seen. So it really did feel like you could actually just explore if you wanted to.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, you get to Hyrule Castle, and you can, you can like, just climb the walls, and, and you're almost like... Because Sp- you're almost like Spider-Man in the game. And you can... Yeah, exactly. You can get to the top of a mountain, and maybe there's nothing there. But when you get up there... It's a nice view. <laughs> if nothing else, you know, you can look around and, it, it, and then, you, yeah, exactly. You can, you can jump off of it and you can glide down to another location where there might be a cave that you go into. And it's, it's a great exploration uh, experience and uh, it is a really good Zelda game. It's just, I feel like they just, it's not perfect, but it's really good,
1: you know? I think just disabling the crouch... If I could just every time I went into a you know a place where I knew there was going to be action, if I could disable crouch, I would like it even more, you know, a million times more, just because so many times I'll get excited and you know I'm a big dude with big hands. It's very easy for me to push that button accidentally, so it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, little things I wish they would tweak about it.
0: I I can't I have a really hard time I can't use this. I remember I went on a I went on a trip and I tried to play it with the actual system. I don't play it on the system because the. Mm-mm. I have to use the yeah. the Wii controller because it's a bigger controller. Um, I I'm also yeah I, I have a hard time with the smaller controls.
1: Yeah, my hands cramp up really bad when I use certain. Yeah, things. it's like
0: it's. I think they're that it's meant for a kid to hold, you know, yeah. not for an adult. So, um, it maybe they need to make the adult size Switch or something. Or just
1: somebody come up with a really cool hand grip for it or something.
0: Or something, yeah. <laughs>
1: So, um, what you know, I guess uh, anybody that's kind of known any of the Cinemassacre stuff, so I guess you met the James, the angry video game nerd in college, and then you guys did that first video. Um, but what, what kind of was like the in-between part? You know, you guys met, became friends, and then he made that silly video, which turned out to be the start of something awesome. But, mm. you know, what was going on between that? Were you just continuing to play games, or did you try to work in the gaming industry at all?
0: Um, so... Yeah, so I, so I went to college, and for uh, James and I went to the same college, met in college, he went for film, I went for animation, and um, uh, with that, I wanted to, I grew up, like I said before, we were talking about Pac-Man and all that stuff, and I grew up loving cartoons, I wanted to... Uh, be an animator but I the kind of animation I love like I love Bugs Bunny cartoons and that kind of stuff the old 1940s 1950s animation Mm -hmm. and they would play a lot of that on TV in the 80s so and then there was like Ren and Stimpy and stuff so that feeling of like that's still alive Mm -hmm. was there but I went to college at a time when everything was changing everything was going from traditional to computers everything was going, uh, like the Pixar movies were now out, like traditional animation was going away and, you know, 3d animation was, was more prevalent. And, and I like, I like watching toy story and all that, that that's fine, but it's not the type of animation that I want to make. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, so a lot of, a lot of that stuff I love was going away. And then I had, I had done a few, um, animated, uh, things in college and realizing, uh, when you, you, know, you can love it and I like to draw and stuff, but realizing how much work it is to, um, to do animation, uh, was kind of a, like, I, I thought that like, oh my God, I can handle a lot. Cause I would always draw like every day, but animation is really a lot of work. And, um, so I, was I was animating uh, several different things in college and then basically to have a to have a character like you have you have Luigi here and then Luigi's got to start here and then he's got to end up over here and then you have to draw every single frame to get him from here to here it's kind of like it's it's enjoyable to a point but when you, when you're making an entire cartoon it gets to be a, a lot of work And (laughs) I came to the realization where I like story as well um, and and the creative process. And when you're spending a week getting this character from here to here – I feel, there's not much creativity there in, in terms of storytelling or writing or comedy or anything. Cause you're just getting this guy from here to here. Um, so I started to decide that I think I would rather do comics because in a comic you draw one panel and then the next panel, he, it's a, you know, you don't have to draw all that in between stuff and you can tell the story quicker. So I started to feel like I wanted to get into doing, um, uh, either, try to get into doing like uh, traditional comics, like maybe do like a newspaper comic or something like that, something like a Garfield type of thing. But at the same time, I was also into a lot of underground comics as a big fan of uh, R. crumb mm-hmm. and, and other comic artists like that. So um, I, uh, I wanted to get into that scene. So uh, I was, I was messing around with that for a while. Um, and then from there, at the same time, James was working on um, he was working on like the Dead or the Better, I think, and he was working on um, he had he had completed his um, senior senior film and all that, and that's where the Angry Video Game comes from because he was working for a really long time. It was both we were like both frustrated uh, artists that are, <laughs> like nothing was going anywhere and it was prior to YouTube mm-hmm. because he was working really hard. On you know I I I had worked really hard on the, all, all this animation stuff and these comics and all that stuff, and he's working really hard on like oh he's making this Twilight Zone sort of thing or he's making this and spending a year on it or he's making this low budget zombie thing and and you know spending a year on it and then you make it and then you put it out there in the world and nobody cares and like two people look at it and you're like wow I spent a year look uh, working on this and now. Three people looked at it, and it's a little bit disheartening because you put so much time and effort. And I think that a lot of um, animators can relate to this because you work so hard on something. Um, And I feel really bad for animators these days on YouTube because somebody can upload a video of their cat, and the cat video will get a million views, and an animator can work for a year... on a a project and it can be beautiful beautifully animated and you put it out there and it gets 10,000 views or something and it's this beautiful piece of art and then the cat video has a million views on it it's kind of like well, the, I like cats. The cat's funny, but it's like, I worked for a year on this thing. <laughs> you know, it's kind of unfair, in a way.
1: Yeah, it's um, kind of the same with musicians, too. You know, you get that band like uh, Mutiny Within from Jersey, right? They're phenomenal mm-hmm. musicians, you know? And next thing you know, you get like, you know, Rebecca Black Friday, you know, some some chick that just you know sang one line over and over, and she's got millions of views, and Mutiny Within's gotta quit because they're only making ten grand a year each, or something like that. So it's you know, it's, it's – well. It's money, any kind money, of artistry so, at all is frustrating, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Getting paid is, is also part of the thing because, you know, you it, you work for such a long time. Then you start equating it to like, um, OK, I worked for uh, a year to make this two-minute long animation and maybe you get paid $1,000 for it. Well, if you work for a year at your local fast food place, you've been making a lot more money than that. So it's kind of like – you, you gotta kinda choose your battles here, you know, so a lot of times what happens is uh, you have to just do that kind of stuff as a hobby or, or for fun, so and I think that there's a lot of people out there that want to get into music or want to get into animation or want to get into comedy or, or whatever maybe for the wrong reasons, because I found a lot of people just want to the f- instant fame part of it, like the notoriety of it, without having to do all the go through all the work and everything.
1: Yeah, and- that's ninety nine point nine percent of all musicians I've ever worked with would would show up because they loved the idea of being in a band. They yeah. loved the idea of playing songs, and it's like, all right, did you learn the album? No.
0: Nah. Well, why are you here? <laughs> I, I think I think what you have to do is you have to go get yourself a regular job. You, you got to remember, you know, James and I—we worked. I, I worked at a liquor store for years. So did James. Um, he used to work at Wawa. I, you know, I had I worked a bunch of crappy jobs, and we we both worked a bunch of you know uh, jobs for for a while. And the angry video game nerd stuff. When we did the first season we you know i was working at a liquor store he you know and then we we had a job together for a little while where we were editing uh, industrial training videos and stuff and we didn't get paid um, the first, you know, few uh, season, uh, at least of the nerd, there, there was no money involved whatsoever. We didn't get anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we were doing it because it was fun, and we liked doing it. And it was like we can play these video games and and make these creative, funny, little quirky little video game videos and put them out there. And it was really exciting because then you have the 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 people watching, and they're they're you know because we had. You worked so hard on so many projects that nobody cared about, nobody looked at. So you, you make something, you put it out there, and now you have a 1,000 people commenting. It's like, this is awesome. Let's do more of this because people care about this. So that, that was what was rewarding. We, weren't, we're, we didn't get paid for a long time. So.
1: Finding some project, anything at all, and bringing it to completion, and having somebody else give a shit is a really great feeling, you know. Even if it's on a, a very small scale, so absolutely, completely understand. So when when did it start to get to the point where you guys were like, "Holy shit! Like, we gotta we gotta really spend more time doing this. This is this is starting to take off."
0: Um, pretty quickly into do into doing the nerd series. Um, I think the turning point came with t- look, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle video, which was like episode 5 because because um, we had the, which is very, extremely early on, um, because uh, it, w- it was one of those things that was like an overnight, like, boom, this thing blew up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very, very quick, and we had the first few, uh, few videos on there, and they were getting a lot of views and a lot of comments and whatever, but then it was like, okay, Let's do another one, specifically, like it was like the first new one because those were had already been made prior to YouTube. Mm-hmm. It was the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was the first one that was made, knowing that pe- that the there was fans here that wanted to see a new one. Then he then we put that one out, and then that one blew up too. And then it was like, okay, this we have it, now it's gonna be we're gonna be doing this all the time, and um. You know, then, um, th- yeah, there, there was a lot happened very quickly. Um, but but at the same time, like I said before, there was no money involved in any of it for a long time. In fact, um, James had a website that he created back in college, which was cinemassacre.com. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he was paying for the website um, just out of his own pocket. And when the Nerd series started... His bills for the website went through the roof because now you you now you went from 10 people visiting the website you know a week mm-hmm. to uh, a million literally like a million people coming to the website and he was getting these gigantic bills in the mail and not making any money. So he was paying the, for his day job he was paying. Uh, just money from his day job to keep the website going. And that went on for a long time until um, it was several years where he was getting these gigantic bills until we figured out how to make money on a website. Like, how does that even work? Mm -hmm. You know, and going back to 2005 and 2006, like, we didn't know, you know, how to do any of that stuff. So it took a long time and it was really... um, A labor of love for for a long time like we're we're doing this thing but not really making much Mm -hmm. um so yeah it it took us a long time to like get it all to work so yeah but um
1: yeah there's always those moments right when you're when you're really going for something where it's just like man this is so much fun but like the dollar menu again like maybe I should just go get another job. Like
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but then uh, the, the first thing that happened was, uh, when James got to go onto game trailers because what happened was there was no YouTube Partner Program. There was not even ads on YouTube. I don't know if people remember. Like there didn't even used to be ads on YouTube back. If you go back to two thousand five, two thousand six, um, people there were there weren't ads before videos and things like that. Um, so at that time. Uh, it was either kind of stop doing this angry video game there thing because it take, it's taking too much time and costing too much money or get paid for it mm-hmm. and then keep doing it. So because of uh, the, the game trailers website, uh, they offered James, hey, we'll pay you to make these videos. So he started putting them on there. And then there was, uh, it was the contract said that we couldn't, put them on YouTube for a year um, which we did so that first year it was like a while before we could eventually post them there um, and that's how it was for a while so when a new nerd video would come out on game trailers we put a trailer to the video to on game trailers on YouTube and that would and then people would go over to game trailers and then that lasted uh, I don't know four years or something that we were on game trailers so but at that point it was now it had sort of become a job and it was like do Due to a month, due to a month, I think it was for a while, and then eventually it became one a month because he was now he started to want to make the movie, so he needed more time to work on the movie.
1: And so, at least by that point, that. were you guys able to dial back your day jobs, or did you still have to work like a full forty-hour week and do this stuff?
0: Uh, for for James, it, it was a lot quicker because he was getting paid to make the videos, and I was just helping him out. For me, it took uh, many years before that happened. Um, so, uh, I, I wasn't making anything off of it for a long, long, long time. He, um, uh, like I, it really, my involvement, even though I was helping out obviously in the nerd videos and I'm Jason Voorhees and all that for me, it was just like fun. I'd Mm -hmm. show up and I'd help out. I played the games with them, whatever, but make fake uh, poop on the floor, (laughs) all all that stuff. Well, that came a little bit later, Mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, he um, said to me uh, – he came to me. He was really excited and this is when the nerd series was early, early on and he said – he's like, I really want to do a thing in October where I want to talk about the history of horror movies. And, but it would be a ton of work and I'm trying to do all this angry video game nerd stuff. Um, but I really want to do it, but I don't. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to do it because it's going to be too much work, and I I can't balance and, I, and having a job at the same time. He can't. Too much to do. Mm. And I and I said to him, I'm like, it sounds like a really awesome idea. I think you should pu- pile through it and try to try to do it, try to get it done. And that was the first year of Monster Madness. And James was making the nerd videos. He was working a job, and he did all of Monster Madness. Um, that that first year. And he told me that he, that was the, probably the hardest he ever worked, and he didn't he didn't sleep like for a, like a month, really, a couple hours here and there. Mm-hmm. So, um, but he got the first Monster Madness done, and after. After that, I said, well, you know, I watched it and I was like, wow, that was, you know, your Monster Madness was so awesome. Uh, are you going to do it next year? And he's like, oh, God, no, I'm not like I'm never doing that again. And I'm like, oh, that's that's upsetting. That's too bad. I was like, well, if you were ever going to do it again, what would you do? And he's like, well, I, w- I always wanted to review all the Godzilla movies. And then I was like, um, well, it w- if you wrote it and and voiced it, what if I edited the entire thing and then you c- and then we could do it next year, too? And this is all unpaid. This is just w- because we wanted to make it and we like horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, "Well, if you edited it, that would definitely cut down on, you know, sixty percent of the work." So, so yeah, uh, if you want, if you want to do that, but you know, it's he's he's like kind of warned me. He's like, "This is it's a huge. It would be a ton of work." And anyway, so we decided to do it, and I I edited the Godzillathon videos, and that took me like seven months of work to edit godzilla the you know, and that was 2008, and, uh, and that was my first major, like, thing that I did with Cinemassacre, even though I had done things before, that was, like, the my first huge project, mm-hmm. and then from there, I started editing Monster Madness every year until, uh, until like, the last couple of years, like, the last three years of Monster Madness, James edited most of it, but for about like seven years of it i i was editing it but he he would he always wrote them all so um that was really for a long time my major thing i was doing i was i was helping edit monster madness um and i and through that process i learned so much from from james and um because it's different when you watch a video compared to editing a video because oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you're, you capture you watch them. I watch, I would, if he was reviewing Dracula or something, then I would watch the movie. Cause I didn't want to just like edit it and not know what I was doing. I would watch the movie if I hadn't seen it. And then I would, I would capture the movie or a lot of times I would capture the movie and watch it at the same time. And then, um, then when he would talk, then I would know what he was talking about. Cause I had just watched the movie and, um, then I would go in and I would edit the, the whole thing and really I worked really hard on that. And I tried to make it as as good as as, as I could with the with the editing and, and all that. And uh, now uh, we weren't able to put any of that stuff on YouTube because it's all mo- movie clips and everything. So um, so now we're slowly like re-releasing a lot of the old movie reviews, um, but with just still frames because it's what you got to do, kind right, of. Yeah. Yeah, so so I, I got to ask because now I feel a little guilty about something. Did you guys
1: ever have a deal with Justin TV, which was you know now Twitch, of course? No.
0: So I, I discovered. I know, I know you guys. exactly what you're going to say. They used to stream all the nerd episodes and all the Monster Madness stuff and, and all that. And yeah, that was not my favorite thing that was happening. Oh, that sucks
1: so much. That's how we discovered you guys, my friend yeah. Justin. Uh, he's, you know, he we used to have this tech area in the back of my work, and um, I would occasionally have to go back there to work on projects. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm kind of not even paying attention, and I just hear somebody scream out, "That's a
0: shitload of fuck!" And I went, "What? What is this?" And I ran well, over, and we were hooked. We had that on the uh, on repeat I mean, the whole thing. I mean, there's sort of there's sort of a scale there, as in like it sucks because I'd rather people wa- watch the videos on our channel or watch them on our website, but at the same time, like if you guys are watching our videos, first of all, if you're watching our videos, that's Fantastic. Regardless of whether you're watching them on our on our website or watching them on some somebody else's website or something, um, it's still good because you're watching our content. We like. I still remember. You know. Like I said, I would work for a year on something and nobody would look at it. So if you guys are watching the our stuff, it's kind of like, well, okay, they're not watching our site, but they're watching it. So. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I, I kind of disagree a little bit because
1: you guys weren't charging for your content.
0: We so, well, we don't charge for we well, never.
1: Yeah, but like my my favorite band on the planet is In Flames from Sweden, and I would have never found out about those guys if my friend didn't burn me a CD and then I loved it, so he burned me two others, and then I bought everything that they put out and seen them live like twenty four times or something like that. Mm-hmm. So because I stole their shit, yeah but you were never selling anything. So the, we could have been watching your videos on the channel that you were getting paid for. Yeah. Well, <laughs> That's we, the thing that pisses
0: me off. We sell stuff now because we put our stuff on on, on DVD, yeah, but no, it's that, that's sort different. of a weird thing because all of our content is available online. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more of a thing of, like, if you love something, you buy it kind of anyway. Yeah, because. absolutely. Um, and, and then there's bonus features that are only available on on the discs and stuff. But it's kind of like when I buy stuff, like, if I wanted to watch, um, some horror movie, I could probably find it like for free online or something. Would but
1: I... rather support the people that, that exactly.
0: I think I have it here. <laughs> I
1: didn't plan that. I swear to God, I didn't plan you... that. <laughs> yeah, you got AVGN right there. I've seen every episode, but you know, of course, I want to support uh, support the people who's making the great content. But
0: yeah, it's been and it's been a lot of uh, work uh, to get those out. That's been a whole another thing over the last years because um it's not easy to to make a blu-ray and and to get to get it out there and get it on sale and whatever that and that's a whole sort of behind the scenes thing that happens with us um is is all the merchandise and stuff because we deal with that every single day in fact um we're working on the next one right now and it's a it's always a big process and um uh and i know a lot of people are are a little upset about the uh about the Blu-rays because... But I think some people don't really understand uh, what's going on with them. So, the first... When James shot Angry Video Game Nerd, he shot them all on an SD camera up until episode 104 or something like that. Mm -hmm. 102, whatever it was. So the first about 100 episodes are all in standard definition. So when it came time for us to do a Blu-ray, we could fit, like a ton of episodes on there because they were all standard definition. They weren't big files. Mm-hmm. So we did. We we put as many on there as we could. But then as soon as it went to HD, the file size is a lot bigger. So there's way less episodes on X2 and X3 and we're working on on the on four. Um, so I can understand. You know, you get the first one, it's like, wow, 100 episodes. And then you get the next one, and it's like, oh, there's like eight episodes on this one. <laughs> it kind of sucks, but it's like, People that's, were upset about that, though. That's yeah, just... I, and I, I kind of get it because, you know, the first product, it's like you get 100 episodes. The next one, you get, like, 10 or something. It kind of stinks. But at the same time, you have to understand it's like math. It's like that's as much as we can fit on the disc. If we could put more, we would. Or,
1: you know? or the choice would be to, to wait, put more on it, and then have a much more expensive product because now you'd have to include multiple discs, bigger or, custom packaging. Or
0: or multi-layered disc, and then it would be more expensive right. and whatever. So... It's like we put as many on there as as we can, so I I hope that people understand that's why, you know.
1: Well, I mean, no matter what anybody does, somebody's going to be pissed. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's like that's life, right? Yep. So,
1: so (laughs) now you're working on Cinemassacre plays. So um, now uh, there was a couple things I wanted to ask you about that because um, I, you know. I, I kind of overworked myself the past couple of years, so when I have extra time, I'll throw on one of your videos, but I haven't followed exactly. So you do you do certain things where you'll sit there and you'll play through and win an entire game. I try. That's, well, or try, yeah, get to the uh-huh. end. And that's um, pretty much what Cinemassacre plays is, is centered around, correct?
0: Um, to a degree, Um yeah, I, I do – I have a thing. I do like to play play games and, and attempt to beat them. Um, I'm not a speedrunner. I don't really – there's plenty of speedrunners out there um, that do that. And, and the thing about, it, I think, m- the majority of speedrunners is they get really good at a couple games, and then they play them over and over and over, and they really good. I, I'm not like that. I like to always play a different game. Mm-hmm. So when I beat a game, I might take a really long time to beat it, but I – Power through it and try to and try to and try to beat it. So that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to get through the games, but but not quickly. Um, but it's not just about that. So on on Cinemassacre plays, uh, which is which is our se- our second channel, we uh, it's essentially where we lo- we do live streams, and it's not only about beating games. Sometimes I just I'll pop in any game and, and just play it just to just to play it. Um, so. Really, it's just about uh, interacting with uh, with people and fans. I really like playing games and having having people help me out or talk to people while playing. Uh, so it can. That's be... Your live streams, then, which is a little separate, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, so, your plays is is where the live streams are, um, because I didn't want to like just. Throw eight million live streams on the main channel. The main channel is mostly for edited content. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, occasionally we'll like there might be a stream on there or something if it's a special circumstance. But ninety nine percent of the live streams are on Cinemassacre plays, and um, it's mostly just. Uh, just playing whatever game, like I might throw in Super Mario Brothers and play it and whatever, and just be screwing around or something. It's and it's not necessarily about beating it, but sometimes I, I will play a game and um try and attempt to uh, attempt to beat a hard game or something like that. Um, but with the really really tough games, like if you take like a Ghost and Goblins or something mm-hmm. like that, uh, I made another show essentially, and that I call it full playthroughs which is um, not a live stream. It's just me playing through the game and attempting to beat it on my own because I will practice the game a lot. So I will just sit and play through a game and try to beat it on my own without recording anything. And then once I get good enough at the game, and I'm like, okay, I, th- I'm, I think I can beat it now or I've beaten it once or twice. Now I feel practiced and good. Then I'll turn all the cameras on and I'll start recording and um, sometimes even that, I'll do two or three of those recordings to try to get a really good one, and then that will be the full playthrough video. Um it's yeah, a lot it's, of work. It is a lot of work, and it takes um, it takes sometimes uh, days or weeks for some of these games. I, I remember I did, um, uh, uh, Contra 3, Contra Three: The Alien Wars, and I was playing that game for probably a good week. Um, just over and over and over and over until, until I was like, okay, uh, cause first of all, I beat the game on easy and then I beat it on, on normal. And then finally I'm like, all right, got to do hard. <laughs> and then the difference between hard and normal is like, you know, it's like, it's like easy, normal, hard, you Jeez. know, it's cause it's a big gap and hard is I think that might be the most difficult game that I've beaten is Contra 3. For, for me, it's different for different people. I talked to – I don't know if you know – do you know the Mexican runner? Yeah. I've talked to him before, and he has a list of, like, games that he considers to be the hardest. Mm-hmm. And his list is quite a bit different than mine. Like, he thought uh, – I can't remember exactly, but, like, let's say, like, I I might have had a really hard time beating Castlevania 3. And he's like, oh, that one's not that hard. But then at the same time, I'm I'm like, oh, I beat uh, uh, Punch Out or something. And he's like, oh my god, that's the hardest game ever. And I'm like, nah, nah, you, you know. And so it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Punch Out actually is one of the hard harder ones for me. That that's b- very very difficult. But um, but yeah, uh, that that's essentially what what I do um, because I can't just turn on a game like Dragon's Lair. And beat it without practicing because you have to memorize. Oh, and that's another one. I spent uh, a week or something. I don't even know memorizing. Okay, here you have to duck. Then you got to immediately stand up. Then you got to take one step to the right. Then you got to jump. Then you got to take two steps. Then you gotta jump. Then you gotta duck. Now, then you gotta jump secret over the thing. For th- a
1: lot of these, because one of the, I mean, from the first time I watched any of your playthroughs, I immediately realized you're way better at these games than I'll ever be. <laughs> so, is that a lot of your now, secret for a lot of it? Is just memorizing the steps and trying to get your patterns down?
0: Uh, it's a lot of not giving up. Uh, it's a lot of like sitting down and playing it. And then, like, you get through the first level and you're like, all right. And then you get to try the next level and then you might die. And then most people right there would be like, all right, I had enough. I give up. Um, It's not giving up. It's like, okay, I made it through that. Let me put it on pause. Let me go take a break. I'm going to come back to it. Now I'm going to work on it again and again and again, not for 10 minutes, not for 30 minutes, like, all day long. The whole day is gonna be me trying to beat level two if I'm having that hard of a time with it until, and I do it again again and again and again and again and again until I know what the hell I'm doing. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm good at this level two, you know? And then I get to level three and I'm like, okay, crap, now I gotta do the same thing again. So it's a ton of practice. I put in like a lot of off screen hours practicing. Um, like I said, like, I'll work for, like, a week just practicing until I finally turn the cameras on. Um, I was actually surprised. I just I just did it for uh, Silver Surfer, and I-, I thought that that was going to be, by far, like, probably the hardest. Because pe- a lot of people consider that to be, like, like the hardest Nintendo game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Honestly, it took me, like, two attempts, and I-, and I beat it. And then I started recording the cameras, because I w- was confident enough that I could beat it. Um... It's that game's really rough on your hand. Um, you have to tap and tap and tap and tap. But like, it's not, I didn't think it was as hard as people make quite make it out to be. At least, but there you go again. That's for me. For somebody else, that might be the hardest game ever made. Uh, for, I had a much harder time beating Contra Three than I did Silver Surfer. So.
1: So how many tries about for Contra 3 did you end up doing? I
0: a lot. A lot. I I, I just, I think I kind of suck at it is the thing. And you watch my video and it might look like I'm pretty good at it because I'm beating it and I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I did. But that's after like a shit ton of hours of me practicing it. You have to understand that. Yeah, so. I
1: remember talking to you on Skype about that, and it, it took a while to grasp what, what it was that you were doing because I just uh, I, I just assumed like an idiot that you were just doing live streams of stuff, and that when you you were talking about putting out well yeah but with the Contra specifically, and you were talking to me about you know the different takes and that you had noticed a few things in the video capture, and I was just like, do you rewatch all of these? And you're like, yeah, of course. And I didn't understand at the moment that's what you, that's what you were doing is you were Essentially, like, I mean, you were doing the story of a video game. You were practicing it, playing it start to finish. And mm. I mean, that's pretty freaking awesome. That's a, uh, you know, I, I like them both. I, I'm a fan of live streams. It's like listening to the radio. You know, you leave them on in the background and yeah. you hear something cool, you look over, like, oh, that's neat. And But I also like, you know, I'd sit on my couch and watch that. You know, like I'd have a football game on and then that, you know, on my iPad or something. So I could, I mean, that's pretty freaking awesome to be able to sit there and, and go through. And see like a pro play through a game
0: i think i think i i don't consider myself a pro whatsoever it's <laughs> only, it's because okay so i beat dragon's lair right mm-hmm. if if i was a pro i could beat dragon's Lair right now i can't if um if, if i was a pro i could beat mike tyson's punch out right now i can't if i i see i have to put in all this practice and then once i'm done once the video is recorded and then it's like a week or two later i don't i don't remember anymore you asked me <laughs> my like the pattern right now on on um, uh, on uh piston honda or something uh, i'm like uh i don't know because i have to practice it again i, right. I have to go back okay what was it oh yeah that's how you beat that guy i would have to spend more time and, and do it again um because another thing I've been trying is, and that might just be because I have a bad memory, but like really, really good players that are better than me can pick up uh, Mike Tyson's punch out and beat it every time because they're really good at it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have to practice beforehand. If I don't have that practice, it's it's done. Um, so I have another thing. I, I want to also be good in, I want to have one or two games that I can beat at any time, so one of those games that I practice, like I try to play it, like if I can once a week, is Ninja Gaiden Three, because I would like to always be able to be like, okay, I can, I know if anybody asks me, I could beat Ninja Gaiden Three right now at any time, um, but if I didn't, if I if I haven't played it for six months, I, I'm probably not going to be able to beat it. Yeah, you know, so that's it, that's the thing. Jeez.
1: Yeah. So for the the Zelda swordless run, then that was just you know that because when I first watched that, I was like, "Holy shit! How the hell do you do this? How do you get the dark nuts with just bombs and not run out of bombs?" Like you, would, mm-hmm. that was so impressive to watch.
0: And I'm still learning things about Zelda to, the, to, to this day. Um, I did the Zelda randomizer stream, and that's one of the things I love about um, uh, having the chat there and having people talk to me. Is like, there's I, I might know a lot about Zelda. But there's still things that I don't know, and people in the chat will be like, oh – in fact, I just did a a stream of Zelda Randomizer, and I was going through the overworld map, and somebody during during the stream said, hey, bomb on this part of the screen. I never knew until this – until last week or something that there was a place on the map that you can bomb – that there's a cave that you can bomb and get money that I never knew my whole life. So it's 2017. I'm still learning new things about fucking Legend of Zelda from 1986. It's, a, it's like amazing. Because yeah. um, you, you think by now I know everything about
1: it. Because all those things that you've learned all, since your childhood are different. Like, how did it feel playing that? Was it annoying and
0: frustrating? No, not at all. Uh, I, I love it uh, because it's like playing Zelda for the first time, which is the best thing ever. You ever, like, you watch your favorite movie. What's your favorite movie?
1: Oh, God. There's too many.
0: Or what's what's one of your favorite movies?
1: Uh, like Terminator 2 or something okay. probably.
0: So you've, you've seen Terminator 2 a bunch, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine if you could take a pill and then watch... That makes you only forget Terminator 2. Now you've never seen Terminator 2. And you then you can watch it again and experience it fresh. You can't do that for a movie. I would love to be able to take a pill and the pill is like the forget star Wars pill and then rewatch star Wars for the first time. Because um, it's that first time experience being like, Oh, I actually don't know that Darth Vader is Luke's father. And you could experience that again for the first time. So Zelda randomizer is, does that for Zelda. It's like, I can play Zelda essentially for the first time. I mean, there's still a lot of things that are similar um about it but it's like it's putting things in different areas and changing the monsters and stuff and it's it's making it like 80 percent new again and and it's so awesome i love i love zelda randomizer and i would only stream zelda randomizer (laughs) but people get bored of it in fact i i did like three or four streams of it or something that went on for hours and hours and hours and hours and people people were like all right mike play a different game. You know, I don't blame them either. But didn't you end up beating it at the end? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Did you find spots in that where, like, you had to use tricks because, or, or did everything just, was it equal in hardness to the original, just you didn't know where anything was?
0: I would say it was probably mostly equal in hardness to Zelda, although the original game is very set up Specifically, where this is kind of like they might put thing something in a location because it's random that is really inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Um, like I got lucky when I was playing that I got the magic key early on. Which if you get the magic key early on, it makes the whole thing like way easier. But the second time I played through the game, I uh, I, I didn't get I couldn't get the bow or something until really late in the game and then finally i found it and but there's certain things like if you want to kill goma mm-hmm. you can't kill him without the bow right and here. i started i started encountering all these gomas the you know the spider with the eye for people mm-hmm. that don't know and i couldn't beat any of the goma so if i can't beat the goma i can't get through the room or i can't get the heart piece or i can't do this and i can't do that so when you play the original game I know that the bow is in level one. Or, and even if you've never played the game, it's pretty, like, there's the tree. You're going to, like, go into the tree and search the level, and you're probably going to find the bow relatively easily. Mm-hmm. Where this game, it's like, the bow could, could like, be anywhere. It could, like, you could hit, you could kill a random enemy in some cave in the mountain, and there's the bow. It's like, oh, well, who would ever know that? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's harder than the actual game. Um, depending on the settings that you pick, Gotcha. So, yeah, it's it's really good. So, I really I,
1: want to try that with uh, a link to the past and Super Metroid. I'm not great at either of those games, but uh, I love them both. So
0: yeah, I'm not I'm not very good at um, Super Metroid. Uh, you know, I'm just like an average player at it. So it would be harder to, for me to do uh, Super Metroid. But there is a, a Zelda Two randomizer, and there's a. a Link to the Past randomizer, and I plan to do them eventually when I get to them, but I have a whole a queue of things that I want to do coming up, <laughs> so it's in there somewhere.
1: Yeah, do you think you would do something like that, continuing as a live stream, or more of like a, a polished Cinemassacre plays video? For what, specifically? For a, I mean, any of those other randomizers. Did you more enjoy doing it live and kind of having people hang
0: out? That would be for, I would do that on, on a live stream, because uh, that, that can take me you know six seven eight hours or something to to do that so that's that's i think that's more suited for a live stream Uh, the full playthroughs are more like if i can't beat it in like maximum like the two or three hours i'm probably not going to make a like some people want me to do a full playthrough of like dark souls but the video would be like 100 hours long you know (laughs) it's like i'm not you know for me it would be 100 hours long yeah so it's not that I couldn't do it. If I was going to beat Dark Souls, I would do it on a series of live streams. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make it a full playthrough. Full. I feel like full playthrough is good. Like if I want to beat Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and I can do it in forty-five minutes or something, you know. So that's, that's more the way I think of it. Yeah. So. So I, I got to ask because
1: it's you know Retro RGB channel. What's your yeah. setup like these days? Because uh, I think some of the only things that ever frustrated me about you guys' videos was just the the nerd end to it. Yeah. Like I remember, my cousin Scott and I were laughing because you know the angry video game nerd. When you guys had the Atari episode where he said, "Oh, I can't even use this because the ends cut off." Like I used to cut those off as a kid and twist them together so that you'd have a better connection to the TV. So I always wondered, you know, like the actual nerd portion of things. Like, are you guys upgrading your equipment? Are you, uh, are um, you getting a little more brushed up on some of the you know the actual nerdy shit behind all this?
0: Um. We like we, I'm probably a little bit more into that than than James is. i I usually um'll figure something out most of the time, and then I'll let James know about it. and then like later on at some point, we'll upgrade his stuff if he wants to do it, if he sp- feels like spending the money on it. So I'm a little bit more personally in, into all that. Um, but I'm not like as much into it as you. i could, I could understand you or somebody who's really into that aspect of it watching our stuff and be and being like oh well why don't they do this or why don't they do that why is why don't they plug their controller in this way because it's better that way or something like that You, you have to realize that the at least with angry video game nerd or even james and mike monday our goal with that is not like to have the perfect hookup and setup and everything although Yeah, a lot of times it can be probably frustrating if you're watching one of our videos and we're sitting there bitching about some controller or something not working right and you're like well if you just do this then your problem's solved you have to remember that like we're making a show it's kind of for entertainment value and it's more for um like angry video game nerd is a little bit like we want you to to laugh at it and if, if um if we I, we also don't want to get things wrong, but, um, we do that basically we do the best we can in that moment with what we know. If, if we get something wrong, well, we get something wrong cause we didn't, we didn't know something, but, um, but it's like, what I'm trying to say, it's like, that's not really the goal. It's more like make this entertaining video. You m- we might get a fact or two wrong in there. Sure. Sorry and we're probably always gonna get some kind of fact wrong, but that's not the goal. The goal is like did you did you watch the video and did you enjoy it and did you have a couple laughs? If you did, then we did what we set out to do and if we if we said you know on stage eight that there's a guy with a purple face, but we were wrong he actually has a red face. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, gotcha. so, you know what I mean? That, that's sort of the goal. And when, when you watch James and Mike Mondays, um, that's more, I feel like about the relationship between me and James. We're shoot. it's like two friends shooting the shit. It's um, almost like a
1: podcast over video games, really. I mean, yeah. that's a compliment too. I mean, that's, that's cool. I like that. Exactly. Song.
0: And I know that a lot of people watch it and they just listen to us talking and a lot of people aren't even looking at the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably 20% of the people that watch it are actually watching it with their eyes. A lot of the people just have it playing in the background, and I I, and I recognize that Um, uh, there are a lot of uh, let's plays and things like that out there now, and I think a lot of them tend to be uh, just talking about anything. Where with James and Mike Mondays, I will say we do we go off on a lot of tangents. Like we might be playing. Splatterhouse, and then that next thing you know, we're talking about George Lucas or something. I, and I know, I know we do like a lot of that kind of stuff, which where it has nothing to do with the game we're playing, but we do attempt to. Uh, Always bring it back to talking about the the game that we're on, even if we go on tangents.
1: Yeah, but it's called yeah. James and Mike Mondays. I mean, it's just my opinion. You guys get millions of followers, but I mean, it, to me, when I see James and Mike Mondays, I you know, it's like listening to a podcast that two friends hang out and play a video game. So you and talk that's about like, to, whatever. Yeah, but to the opposite of that, like for your Contra playthrough, like if you started talking about Darth Vader for an hour, it's like, all right, all right dude, say that for the podcast. Like, I'm we're watching Contra. Like, you know, it's two right. different things
0: right so. yeah so I don't know we we, we do the best we can <laughs> that's all I don't know what to say that's awesome yeah
1: well um, so I'll link to, to both channels in the description so there's obviously the Cinemassacre YouTube channel and Cinemassacre Plays mm-hmm. uh, and are you guys like uh, up like do you have a favorite social media other than YouTube that you'd rather have people follow you at or are you just kind of spread out across to all of them
0: um, well, we have our Twitters. Um, James, you know, is Cinemassacre on Twitter. I'm, you know, Mike Mattai on Twitter. We have that, um, and we have um, our fa- our Facebook fan page, which is, you know, just the Cinemassacre uh, fan page. If, if you're looking for us on social media, but uh, yeah, but uh, mainly, if you want to find us, we're you know, Cinemassacre.com, our the website, and um, uh, on YouTube, it's uh, Cinemassacre and Cinemassacre Plays. Yep. Gotcha. Do so you get uh,
1: something coming up next? Something to tease for people to uh, to expect in the next couple of days?
0: Okay. Uh, so I, w- I want to try to beat Superman 64. But because I asked uh, my chat and I asked some people, I said, like, what do you – like, what do you guys want to see me, pl- like, play and beat? Like, what – like – and a lot of people said to me, Superman 64. So I'm like, okay. So I, I, I played the game, and it's... I mean, I hadn't played it for years, and it's so bad. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to do it for a full playthrough or if I'm going to do it for like a live stream or something. So you might see me playing some of that. Um, I also started a lot of games recently. I, I, was, I started Mario Rabbids, and I started playing um, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, and I started playing... Um, like what was the other thing? Uh, uh, star star wars uh, rogue squadron so i started all playing all these games and i had i had all these things that i want to do and i kind of have too many things i'm trying to do and i need to kind of focus on one thing so i have a i have a tough time with sticking to one thing yeah, um, <laughs> and th- that might be my upbringing with, with going back to the beginning when we talked about atari as a kid you, you take an Atari game, you put it into the Atari, you flip it on, you play it for a little bit, you take it out, you put it in the next Atari game. That's kind kind of always my thing. Like I'm always like, okay, I just did a two-hour live stream of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. In a perfect world, the next video would be part two of me playing Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, and then I continue playing. But what happens is that I'm done doing that, and then I'm like, ah, now I want to play Silver Surfer. And then I play Silver Surfer, and now I'm like, oh, I forgot. Oh, wasn't I playing that Mario game? Oh, now I'm gonna play this. Now I'm gonna play that. So I'm kind of a mess. I'm just always playing something different. So I have to keep th- putting them out, though.
1: As long as you don't leave everybody hanging for good, I think that's uh, that's cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So. But um. Yeah. But uh. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for everything. And <laughs> I don't uh. I, before before we go, I feel like I didn't necessarily answer your question entirely though, because you were asking about my my setup. And everything currently, and yeah, your channel at Retro RGB. Is there anything specific? Because I did a whole video. If you want to know about my setup, I did a video uh, called um, Mike's RGB Scart Setup Video or something like that. That mm-hmm. pretty much shows the majority of my setup. Um, and uh, you and and other people that I know have helped me out uh, within the last year because growing up. I, uh, with the NES, uh, my NES for a long time was, uh, you know, was hooked up RF, mm-hmm. and uh, it had uh, composite. And for a long, when I went from R- RF to composite, I was like, wow, this is awesome. It looks so much better. So I was satisfied with composite for, like, a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, you know, when I started seeing games with, like, HDMI and stuff, it started to look better. But, man, I I, I do have to say that now having this medical monitor that I have and the scart and the RGB it is very hard for me to go back and look at composite and other things now now that I have, so now so now I'm spoiled
1: yeah, if you'd never got to see how good it looks, you might have never cared. But then you you know you play something on like a, a nice RGB monitor, especially something like a Super Nintendo, which you know looks amazing, and then you go back and you play it through RF or composite, and it's like, oh, that yeah, sucks.
0: <laughs> and I, I also have to say this: it wasn't instantaneous. It took it took a while for me to like because I started playing the stuff on 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 the RGB and all that, and I was like, okay, yeah, I can see that it looks better. But then I started after I start playing it for months and months and months, and I and then I'm like really getting used to it. Mm-hmm. Then I go back and I, I and I see a game on with like um you know composite. Now now I look at it, I'm like oh my god, I can't even like look at this anymore. So um so yeah, it it is a big difference. But I also I I do have to say this, um like i don't think people should feel like they have to have an rgb setup if you, if all you have is is a composite or or something like that you know what in the 80s like i enjoyed all those games i used to play legend of zelda and mario brothers and i didn't have all, all the equipment that i have now you can enjoy the games just as much like that I, I agree 100 percent. the only thing
1: i have to say though is um you know, you need to, those games were designed to be played on CRTs, so you need uh, as low a lag scenario as possible. So I'm not saying you have to get a CRT, yeah. but if you just go get a junk brand TV, and you could find real cheap ones. I'm not saying you need to spend a million bucks, but if you just buy a crappy TV and you leave it in cinema mode and you try to play Super Mario Brothers, it's
0: gonna suck. Everything about it's gonna suck. Well, so you just well, I, lag I, is I way agree. more important. I do agree that you should try to if you can try to try to do it on a CRT monitor but i was talking more about hooking up the difference between composite and right. rgb and scart which yeah. that that all also requires a lot of special equipment so for because for a long time uh, we would be doing the videos and people were like when are you going to make the up- upgrade to rgb and scart and all that you know the thing about it is it's, it's, it's also very expensive. You have to get all your consoles modded. You have yeah. to know somebody who can do it. You have to spend a lot of money to, to get the correct equipment. And, and, it, and it's all also the accessories
1: big, that connect everything together.
0: It's also a big time investment. Like if you don't have a lot of time to, and know how to hook all the stuff up. So it's, it's a big investment to do that. And I honestly, I don't think it's for, for everybody. If yeah. it's,
1: Definitely if, not. If
0: you're gaming like a lot and you love retro games and, and you have some extra spare money to spare, then then do that. But I don't like I don't like that that attitude of people coming down on other people that you, if they don't have, you know, if you, you you know you you or somebody else has or me. If I if I said to somebody else like, hey, oh well, I've got this RGB setup, and what do you got over there? Your your composite setup. It's it's that. Some people have that uh, that attitude. I'm not saying that you you do. You don't. Uh, no, but, you I know completely know
1: understand where you're where you're going with this. 100%. I agree too. The,
0: because we and I'm mostly talking about comments and things like that that we'd get on on YouTube on a lot of our videos that are like, you know, oh, you got this, you know, this big YouTube channel and you don't have the, the RGB scart and all that. and It's like it's not really the point. You know yeah,
1: I mean, in my opinion, for the nerd videos, it it adds it, to have a perfectly crisp video output adds nothing to the video. It's not about that at all. There you go. So the the only thing, if somebody had to say right now, like I want to start playing older games and I want to use the original consoles for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what's more important, making it RGB and getting the best output, or trying to find something without much lag. And there's no, that's what I was trying to get at before, is there's no comparison. So there was a couple of people that been, you know, trying to tell, oh, yeah, we'll get RGB, and then you use this cheap scaler, and it looks great. Yeah, but, you know, when you press the button, and you could actually wait to see Mario jump, like, you can't, you can't play the game. So if somebody's on a budget, and they need to start out, figure out what games you want to play, figure out how you can play them, and worry about lag first. Mm-hmm. And it's, a lot of times the solution is you just find some crappy old CRT on Craigslist for free, and you, know, you bring it home, you hook it up with compo- or, um yeah, composite or RF. I would much much rather see that or like go get one of those low lag gaming monitors or something, but I- I'd much rather see people do that then spend all this money and then end up plugging it through a laggy scaler or into oh, a, a TV God. that's not designed for it. And, you know, they got TCL brand TVs in America now, they're different uh, names in different countries, for like $350 that have really, really low lag. Right. So you could still, you know, you could get, you don't have to spend a ton of money, you don't have to be a pro, but yeah, in my opinion, it's if you want to get into old gaming, it's lag first, then video second. because I I, uh,
0: I totally agree with that, and yeah, so yeah, I do have like this, this expensive monitor and stuff like that, but I also I, I have sitting over there my uh, CRT TV. I got my CRT TV for forty dollars at a Goodwill, and it's by the way, it is awesome. My CRT TV. Oh yeah. Um, forty bucks. Yep. Some of
1: the guys in Brooklyn I've been working with are RGB modding those now. So you know, you bring them onto the TV, you set up an appointment. It takes a couple hours, but it's got a SCART input in the back. And when you're done, for for you know, much less than a, a crazy BVM broadcast monitor, you have something that looks like an arcade monitor. So right. of course, it's not as good as a you know a fifty thousand dollar CRT, but still blows everything else away. So uh,
0: yeah, uh, I'll I'll say one more thing because you're talking a lot about uh, lag. So. Uh... <laughs> We, uh, Ryan, my friend Ryan, and I, we we do we do this other show where we, we, we a lot of times we'll talk about game consoles, and we're just we'll have conversations like this. We just talk about games. That's the name of the show. And um, we did a review of the I think N sixty four, and we did one of uh, the PlayStation, and blah blah blah, and finally uh, we were gonna do one of the uh, the Retron five, and. We're like, oh, let's, this week let's do a review of the Retron 5. And then he's like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. So we go and we plug the Retron 5 in because we're going to play it for a little while uh, and then gather our opinions and then we're going to record the video, right? So we go to plug it in. Thing's broken. I don't, I don't know how. The, th- the thing broke. So um, we're like, OK, this thing's completely broken. We, we tried to fix it or whatever. It's it, The console is like fried. So we're like, great. OK, well, it's broken so we had played the system before and so we recorded a short thing of us just giving our general opinions of it and i had played some games with it and the system you know it's it's like you said it's super bad with lag you're playing a game the lag is horrible and um it, and it doesn't look that great the games the color of the games look very different than they should and things like that so um so We recorded this this short thing, and we were just going to put out this video of us just talking about the system as we normally would, but we're like, you know what? Since the console's broken, let's do something funny with this. That was awesome.
1: I so, just left uh, myself a note he, to make he sure he to link to out? that. Of course I had to. I okay. absolutely loved it. I just left myself a note. I'm going to leave that link in the description as well. For anybody that's never seen it, anybody that's had been frustrated by the Retron 5, it's, it's so satisfying to watch.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so he took it out and he, he saw, saw, sawed it up, so it was funny. So yeah, check that out. But anyway, I, I, I thought that was funny. and That uh, was hilarious. Yeah. All right. So I'll
1: make sure to link everything, and I also want to link, once again, I know I've talked about it a bunch of times, but um, both your MS Paint video and then you, the video of how you made that. Um, I've probably mentioned it two or three times in the podcast, but I, oh, couldn't, I think... couldn't freaking believe that you did that. I, uh,
0: I think you're talking about the Mario Paint, not MS Paint. Oh, yeah, Mario Paint. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh... Uh, I guess I can briefly uh, talk about that. Yeah, no, there's
1: there's no limit to this, man. Because that that was mind blowing. I thought you were kidding when I first saw like the Twitter blurb when you posted like, you know, oh, I did the whole thing in Mario Paint. I'm like, what do you mean you did the whole thing? That,
0: that <laughs> was that was a real debate with myself on whether or not I should do it because YouTube Gaming launched in in August of 2015, and I started streaming, and it's been my goal since then to stream a lot basically and um i got to the point where i had i had that idea and i'm like i could animate something in mario paint nobody's ever because they have the little tool in there where you can do like a guy jump roping or something like that um like the little animation tool which is like six frames or something it's very basic and that's fine it's good for like kids and stuff but nobody's ever made a real animation in Mario paint because who's crazy enough to do that? (laughs) So I was like, I came up with that idea and I'm like, I got to do it because nobody, the thing that made me power through it and do it is because nobody had ever done it before. Um, That's, that's why I did it. And um, so I started doing it and it's basically like I had the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon on a TV and then over over here on this TV, I have the Super Nintendo in the game. And, like, in the beginning of the Ninja Turtle cartoon, it starts on the moon. Mm-hmm. And then it goes from the moon, and it goes down to the sewer. And the, the sewer lid comes off. The turtles pop out, all that. So frame one, it's it's the, the moon. So over here, I draw the moon with the mouse. That drawing takes half hour or something to make the same image. Then I go – then I click the mouse because uh, I have the video on the computer – And I go to frame two, and now the moon went from here to here, or whatever, here (laughs) here or something. And then I did that frame, and then the next frame. Uh And I quickly realized, okay, this is going to take a really long time. So I was working on it for about a week or two, and I think about two weeks into it, um, I was like, if I – because at first with the idea, I was just really excited about it. I started animating it without really thinking about how much work it was going to be and how long it was going to take. So – about a week or something into it, I'm like, man, I haven't done a live stream in a while. And now I'm like animating this thing. It's like, if I stop to live stream, it's going to take even longer to animate this thing. So I had to like kind of choose. And I'm like, you know what? Nobody's ever done this before. I'm going, I chose to do the animation. So I spent five and a half months or something just animating that damn thing. And so I started watching a lot of star Trek, and I, 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 had, I had a laptop where I just had Netflix, and I watched the entire series of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the whole thing. And it was about as long as the whole series took. Um, uh, so I watched every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and by the time I finished Deep Space Nine, I think it took me a I, Then I started watching Voyager, and I think I got about halfway through the first season of Voyager, and then finally I finished uh, the animation. And... Um, then at the end of it, I was like, you know what? I also need to do add a thing in where I explain what the hell the video is and how I made it and stuff. So I added that on to the end. So that took another day or something. But anyway, um, so after five, six months of work, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about animators and all that. You work for six months or something like that and you do all that work and it's really – I'll just put it this way it's a it's a labor of love because the return that I got back for 6 months of work was not a lot but I'm happy that I did it now because I can always go back I like showing that video like if somebody's like oh hey like uh, what have you been doing oh I'd be like oh check out this ninja turtle thing that I spent 6 months working on um so it's you know I I'm happy that I did it but I don't think I would do it again because <laughs> because now because now I don't have the uh, I've done it now. and so like, You've already
1: watched all of Deep Space Nine, so you
0: can't... <laughs> well, I, I can watch all of Voyager or something, but um, but but like now it wouldn't be new. And that was the thing that drove me through the six months, is that, okay, nobody's ever done it before, I have to do it. But now that I've done it, it's kind of like, eh, people have seen it, they get it. So I, I don't know that I could spend another half a year of my life doing it. And also, I really love live streaming, and I had to stop live streaming for like five months to do it. And I don't think I'm willing to do that again. Um, I don't blame you. Yeah. So I so just th-
1: really hope that uh, at some point that video gets back to the at least somebody on the team that made Mario Paint, like one of the lead developers, because I just I would love to see the look on one of their faces when they see what you've done with their creation. You know.
0: That that would be awesome. I yeah. If somebody saw that and tweeted me or something like that, that'd be, that would be that would be cool. Because um, yeah, you got you got to think about the 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 people who made the game, and then years and years later, somebody does something really creative with it. It reminds me of uh, you you know that have you heard of Smooth McGroove? Uh, he's he's you should look him up. He's a guy that basically he he recreates m- music from video games. And he it, the the screen it, you know the Bra- the intro of the Brady Bunch where it's divided into all those like screens he, it's kind of like that on the screen and then he he just goes I have seen him I you know have that, seen those. and He's on the other really other, impressive <laughs> or whatever yeah. and then once it's all combined it sounds like the Mario theme song or something like that and it's amazing but the people I, what I imagine is like the the person who composed uh you know some of these songs that he did. I wonder if any of those composers ever watched him. Uh, You know, it's amazing what some people are doing as sort of tributes to these video games. And uh, angry video game nerd is really a tribute to a lot of these games. And I know I feel almost like if some of these game designers saw angry video game nerd, I hope that they don't look at it like, oh, well, screw this guy for saying (laughs) Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a bad game. It's really – Angry Video Game Nerd, I think, is really more than anything. It's a love letter to video games more than hating video games because the nerd wants the games to be good. He's just frustrated when they're not good. The guy loves video games. He just wants the games to be good. So when they're not good, he goes crazy, and that's the humor of it. But, you know, so –
1: but yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I think a couple of my viewers actually work at Nintendo America. I won't say their names because I've gotten emails from them before. So who knows? Maybe they can get uh, maybe they can get that to the the right people. That would be pretty yeah. cool if you got a tweet one day from somebody over there.
0: I will w- I will say that if if any of them watch Angry Video Game Nerd, I hope that they understand that we love the games. It's not about hating on the games because I think some people think, uh, especially early on in the nerd, I think there was a lot of people that were like, "Yeah, fuck that game." Yeah, I agree with you. Fuck it. It's really like like Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest the first video James loves that game he he thinks it's awesome you know so mm-hmm. it's not it's not hate, really hating on it it's just more like it's too bad this part of the game wasn't a little bit better cuz this game has so much potential but they did this a little wrong but it's really you know
1: yeah i I agree I mean it's the Ghostbusters one did it for me because i I played that game so many times as a kid, and I did enjoy it, and I did have fun, but there were some of those ridiculously silly and frustrating parts about it just annoyed me, so yeah, yeah that was always what it was for me was it was completely brought back the the good feelings about video games and made fun of the silly parts
0: exactly yeah, so all right, <laughs> all right,
1: man. well, this was absolutely thanks. awesome. You're welcome back anytime, and uh you know thanks again for taking the time to do this.
0: Thank you very much. Take care. Have fun.